Amen. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know we've done it already, but why don't you turn around, give somebody a handshake, fist bump. Just tell them it's good to see you in the house of God here tonight. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning over to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Last several weeks, I felt impressed to preach and uh, really kind of treach on a Wednesday night. But I, I do feel impressed uh, to go back to teaching for a season, and uh, sometimes on Wednesday nights, it's going to be an opportunity to uh, get vision and direction as a church body. Uh, other times, we're going to come and get information and education. Amen. And so, we're going to learn and get into the Word of God. Remember to keep those in prayer that are out traveling, uh, and, and, and please pray good things of those that are on vacation right now. I know there's some folks who want to pray other things, but no, I'm kidding. I, my desire is that everybody that in, in the church that's faithful to God would be blessed. Amen. That's my prayer. Everybody that's faithful to God would be blessed. And if God opens up an opportunity for you to take a vacation, go take one. Amen. Now, vacation ain't 365 days a year. And vacation doesn't mean it happens on Sundays and Wednesdays. Hallelujah. But sometimes they do coincide. Hallelujah. It's good to see Wyatt in the house of God with us again. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Word of God and let's, let's, uh, let's begin to read, amen, chapter 6 and verse number 5. The Bible says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Your Father knoweth which things you have need of before you ask Him. I want to, I'm going to be teaching for the next several weeks about private devotions. Private devotions. So tonight I would like to talk private devotions part one, simply prayer. Prayer. Amen. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands and let's pray for a moment. As we dive into this word here tonight, as we begin to open up this these lessons lord i i'm asking god that you would give us wisdom and understanding jesus help us lord to extract everything we can from this because we really do want to be people of prayer we do want to be spiritual people god hallelujah and we're asking you god that you would help us with this task in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated. Private devotions, part one, prayer. Matthew chapter six and verse six is where I'm going to be spending our time here tonight. Typically, when I teach, I like to give a lot of verses. Um, I have a, a teaching style, and I like to call it an overload of information, and uh, I call it a buffet. So hopefully, I can overload people to the point where they are full, 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 and they grow, grow, grow. But tonight, I, I'd like to just spend time really focusing in on this one portion of Scripture, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6. Uh, now, before I get started to that, I want to, I want to make a few statements, and, uh, and maybe I'll probably take out an entire Wednesday and talk about uh, our visions and values as a church. And uh, if we don't talk about vision, if we don't talk about values, 
often they will not become a part of our culture and they will not be displayed. And so I think it's important to talk about that. Uh, but, but inside of what we teach or preach, uh, often we rest on osmosis. In other words, we rest in the fact that we will say it and somebody will catch it. And, uh, and hopefully in preaching and teaching, uh, they're, they're especially preaching. Preaching is one of those things where you are, uh, you are doing everything you can to reach. And it's a lot of information that's going forth. It's often at a faster pace. And you're hoping that in that preaching there be enough revelation that is presented that people will catch it. Uh, but there are times where you have to slow down and you have to start breaking things down because in order for something to get into the culture, it has to be taught. And, and, and this is where mentioning our, our visions and values and really making them plain as, as the Bible would say, making the vision plain where that man that runs can read it. And one of those things that we have attempted to do in this last year and a half is we've been teaching on to be continued. And we've been teaching on the things that after they were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, they continue to do. And they continued steadfastly in the Apostle Doctrine. We took about six months last year and talked about the Apostles' Doctrine. Now, I want to give somebody some hope. We will go back to the Apostles' Doctrine. Uh, this to be continued thing is something we're not going to just do once. We're going to just keep going through it as many times as we can. Uh, but I think it's important for the values of the church that we continue on and press through. They continue in, they continued in the Apostle Doctrine, breaking bread, fellowship. And so we ended this last year over the last several months talking about kingdom culture, that we are a church that believes in fellowship. Amen. We are a church that believes in food. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. <laughs> we believe in getting together. And uh, one of the things that we did to help uh, perpetuate that is even our, our tagline for a church. It may not make a whole lot of sense. It may not be that big of a deal. Uh, but the fact is, is that as a church, our vision, our values is we want to pursue God with everything we have. Is that, is that kind of your prayer that I want to pursue God with everything I have? When you have a value that says, I will pursue God, that means that you're going to be a person of prayer. Amen. That means you're going to be a person of commitment. That means you're going to be a person. There's a lot that goes into that. When you have chosen to pursue God, you have made it up in your mind. Whether anybody else pursues God, I will pursue God. It is an individual idea. But beyond that, uh, we as a church are committed probably take a whole service out for this. We are a church are committed to building lives. We're committed to building people. What that means is there's going to be people that are going to come from all walks of life, different backgrounds. And as a church, our value is no matter where they come from, no matter what their uh, demeanor is, no matter what their character flaws look like, we are going to do everything we can to help build them up. Amen. We are going to help build people up in every area of their life. So when we come to teaching, that's what we're doing. We're trying to build people. We're trying to build lives because you can't build a, church, a great church without building great people. And finally, our, our goal is to connect people. Not only to connect them, the primary connection is to connect them to God, to get them on board with our vision. That is to pursue God. We're going to bring people. There's some that have already, through osmosis, have caught that and started bringing people to church because they are trying to connect people, amen, to this wonderful God that we have. Amen. And part of connecting people to God is we connect them to his church. We connect them to his body. We connect one to another. And that's what we've kind of been focusing on that last year. But, but we're going to continue on in this, and we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about private devotions. And I'm going to focus in on Matthew 6 and 6 here tonight and, and really kind of hopefully help somebody. Uh, I could talk about a lot of things about prayer. And before it's all said and done, we're going to talk about different types of prayer. Uh, we're going to talk about private prayer tonight. We're going to talk about public prayer. We're going to talk about intercessory prayer. We're going to talk about memorial prayers. We're going to talk about prayer and meditation. There's a lot of things that we are going to talk about when it comes to prayer. But before we start talking about methods of prayer, we've got to start talking about, amen, this private devotion. Because before we ever get the public right, we've got to get the private right. Amen. Matthew 6 and 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, 
and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6. There are six things I want to talk about here tonight. Brother Webster defines devotion as religious fervor, piety, an act of prayer or private worship, a religious exercise or practice other than regular corporate worship of a congregation. This is a word that when we talk about our value of pursuing God, you cannot say that you have a value of pursuing God if you have not given yourself over to private devotion. It's easy to get up in the crowd mentality and to find yourself in the emotions of things, and I think it's good. Uh, we as an apostolic church believe that God has a allowed us the ability to fully exercise our emotion in worship. We're a church that believes in dancing, shouting, all of those things. Why? And we'll teach about that at another time. But we believe in that because it's in the Bible. Uh, but we also believe in that because it's in our nature. It is in our nature to give our emotion to something. And who better to give it to than to God? Amen. But the thing about emotion is that emotions can be manipulated. Now, we never strive to manipulate an emotion. Uh, we never strive to hype anybody up. But uh, there does come a point where that happens. And part of that is when you get into a crowd. Uh, when everybody's praying, uh, there is almost a pressure to pray. And I think that sometimes peer pressure is a good thing. When everybody prays, I think there's a good peer pressure there that we should pray. There's something that does push towards our emotions that says, man, if everybody else is feeling God, I ought to get involved and I ought to try to feel God. I think that that's a good thing. But, but there comes something called private devotion that, that is something that does not deal with emotions. It does not even, uh, it doesn't even tap into that. Because if you are waiting on a feeling to have a private devotion life with God, you may never have one. If you are waiting for a moment of inspiration, you may never get it. The problem with inspiration is as quickly as it comes is that's when it goes. You can have inspiration for a moment and a season, but eventually it dissipates. But I want to start by talking about what Jesus went through and when he was talking about this. First, I want to talk about the who of prayer. He said, but thou, when thou prayest. The Bible would let us know that Abraham prayed. We could even go back further and find Adam walked in the garden in the cool of the day, walking with the voice of God. Abraham and Adam had a prayer life. We see that Isaac built altars. Isaac prayed. Jacob, even the liar, cheat, and thief, found himself a time to pray. Joseph, whether it was in the pit, whether it was in the prison, whether it was in Potiphar's house or in the palace, Joseph prayed. Moses, whether he was in a basket crying as a baby or if he was there inside of the palace in Pharaoh's house or in a wilderness taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, he found time to pray. Joshua and, 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 and others that followed after Joshua, they prayed. You could go to the book of Judges and you could go one by one and you will find that the judges prayed. One of those judges was a man by the name of Samson that every time he prayed, he got power. Every time Samson got a hold of God, he got power. And it was a power that did not come based on who he was. It came based on a connection that he had with a God. Amen. Samson prayed. David prayed. The prophets prayed. Even Jesus, the Bible says, would arise early in the morning, depart into a solitary place, and there he would pray. Jesus, about to be crucified, would find a place in the garden, and Jesus would 
pray. The one that had all of the miracle signs and wonders had a lot of people that came to him for fishes and loaves, for miracles, all of these other things. Jesus found time to step away from the crowds and find a time of private devotion and prayer. The disciples prayed. You can even go to Acts chapter 2 and you would find that the mother of Jesus prayed. What does this teach us? The who of prayer is everybody. There's a lot of people that think others have been called to prayer, but not to them. God has called each one of us to be people of prayer, not just apostles, not just prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, parents, leaders, uh, musicians, singers, ushers, greeters, uh, Sunday school teachers, you name it. God did not just call those that are on the top. But God has called everybody, whether you're on the top, whether you're in leadership, whether you got a title, a position, or you don't. Whether this is your first time to church, your 400 millionth time to church. God has called each and every one of us to be people of prayer. Amen. Can I say it very plainly? God called you to pray. Well, I don't know what my calling is. If you can't find your calling in the kingdom of God, let me stop you right for a moment. And whether you find any other calling in the church, whether you ever get a title, a position, whether you ever get a chance to lead in front of people, get the limelight, none of that matters. What God has called you and I to do is to hit our knees and to pray. Amen. Might I remind somebody that the church did not start with great preaching. It started with a prayer meeting. We've got to pray. We are the who of prayer. There's a lot of people that rely on the prayers of their parents, their pastor. They rely on the prayers of leaders around them, others that have just got a passion to pursue God. And they rely upon the prayers of the church and everyone else to fuel their diminishing fire. We must not convince ourselves that it is going to be the prayer of others that is going to be sufficient for our own devotion. There is only one thing that is sufficient for private devotion, and that is private prayer from each and every individual. A strong apostolic church has got a value of prayer. A strong apostolic church has got to be individuals that have made it up in their mind that I will be a person of prayer. The who of prayer is you. It, the who of prayer is myself. But we have a decision to make. Will we accept that call to be the person that prays? I want to help somebody here tonight. Don't be deceived into thinking that everybody's got a private devotion life. Don't be deceived into thinking that because somebody comes to church that they pray. There's a lot of good, well-intending people that are very religious and show up to church, show up to the building. But if you were to ask them when the last time they prayed, they might direct you to their Chick-fil-A sandwich. Praying over your food is not a prayer life. Amen. It's not a private devotion life. I do think it's a good thing to do. Hey, hallelujah. You don't have to pray over Chick-fil-A. That's the Lord's chicken. Amen. It's already been prayed over by the person serving you. But you got to have a prayer life for yourself. And to believe that everybody has a prayer life would be to be ignorant. I know that we want to think the best of everybody, and I think that's a good quality. But often when we believe everybody else is doing it, it's like uh, they did a study. If you say, hey, somebody called 911, the chances are very low that anybody's going to call it. Am I right? They teach you, you got to tell somebody, Brother Mark, you call 911. You put the, you put the, 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 the weight on one individual and they have a decision to make. Will I listen to that or will I not? Because if I don't do it, no one else will. When you have a revelation that it is my calling from God to have a prayer life, a private devotion life, it, 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 it stops you from relying on anybody else. It stops you from this false sense of belief that somebody else is going to do it. Amen. It causes everybody when they get the revelation but thou, 
when thou prayest. It is an individual thing. It is a personal thing. It is a private thing. It causes the responsibility to weigh on each and every individual. And if everybody, before we leave this building today, if you don't get anything else I say, please let that weight of that calling rest upon your shoulders, not your neighbor's shoulders, not somebody else's shoulders. Let it rest on your shoulders. Amen. A great way to think of it is that is, is to think of it from a standpoint of if I don't pray, nobody's praying. If we take the responsibility that says, if I don't pray, nobody's praying. That doesn't mean we look down on anybody, but we are making the decision that I will stand in the gap whether anybody else does or not. I will be a person of prayer, a man or a woman of God of prayer, regardless of anybody else's decision. Amen. The honest truth, and it's an unfortunate truth, is that there's few that have cultivated a secret life of prayer with Jesus. A big tagline is there's a lot of folks, they always want to know where the skeletons are in somebody's closet. Do they have a secret life somewhere? I think it's time for some of the people in church to get a secret life. Amen. But not the secret life that you think of with negative things. A secret life of prayer. A private devotion. The benefit of developing a private devotion life of prayer, a secret life of prayer, is when you do it in secret, you're not doing it for anybody else. When you do it in secret, you will do it with or without anybody else. Christianity and the apostolic church is not all caught up, always in the running, the jumping, the shouting, and we love it, and I never demean it, I believe in it. But it is often found in the secret place of our daily lives but you have to make a decision up in your mind that you are going to be the few the proud the prayer warriors you will be one out of many that have made the decision with or without anybody else I'm gonna pray amen Jesus talked about when thou prayest amen the who of prayer is you the who of prayer is me then he began to talk about the when of prayer. When thou prayest. I want you to notice that Jesus did not say if you pray. I love the faith of Jesus. He was telling his disciples when you pray. In other words, he has enough confidence in his church and the, the direction of his church, the church that he builds, uh, that the gates of hell will not prevail against. He has enough faith in the church, which would be you and me, that we will pray. That can't be said of the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. It was something where God put a condition that if you pray, I will do something. But Jesus is answering a prayer request from his disciples that he would teach them to pray. And Jesus is showing them something that when you pray. I want to take this from the very, uh, very literal. One, Jesus has faith that we will pray. But also, since we understand that it is our responsibility to pray, we must figure out when we will pray. It's not enough to accept the calling that I'm to be a person of prayer and day by day by day we negate our responsibility. But there must become a time frame of prayer. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that you have to have a, a designated time every single day that you pray because I know what it is to live in the real world. Amen. It's, it's, it's life happens, but... I will say this, if we have a designated time to pray, we have set ourselves up for success to make sure that we will pray. I know some folks, they err on the side of, well, I'll just pray when I feel it, as opposed to designating a time because I don't want to be religious. You'd actually be off a lot better to designate if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, and you designate, this is my time with God. Nothing else is going to matter in this time. The Bible says that God met with Adam in the cool of the day. The Bible says that Jesus rose up a good while before. 
amen, David would write morning, noon, and night. In other words, there were time frames that they had designated, I will pray. Amen. Somebody said, if you, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. If you do not plan and designate a time to pray, and you look back on your week, and you didn't pray, don't be shocked. But, here's good news. If you can designate time, if you can designate a, a season of prayer, if you can designate, amen, a day that you're going to make sure that day I'm going to pray. You know, a lot of people, because they don't see much in what they're doing, they don't do much. So, I, I'm trying to teach and help somebody here today. A lot of people think, well, if I'm not praying three hours, I didn't really do anything. But if we read the context, he says, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. God's interested in a time of prayer, not necessarily a timed prayer. Amen. He's interested in a time of prayer where he knows I'm going to meet with my people there. And it's not so much that, oh, I prayed for three hours. And I know people that are, are, are more interested in doing one great thing as opposed to doing little things that don't seem as great, but they do them consistently. When you have a time of prayer, you are guaranteeing consistency. The person that is consistent will always win over the person that just does things once in a while. Always. Hallelujah. The person that says, I'll designate, and th this sounds like, well, you're just, you're just getting it real low. I'd rather people do this than do nothing at all. You just designate 10 minutes a day, you're going to pray. Oh, we, we're just carnal. We don't pray for four hours. Well, if you just pray 15 minutes a day, you go through your week, that's several hours of prayer. You go through your week, your, your month, there's, there's a couple days of prayer. You go through the year, there might be a week or two of prayer. It's, it's, it's about saying, God, I'm going to set aside time because I feel that this is important. And God will work with you wherever you are. Don't ever feel condemned that you didn't pray X amount of time. If you got five hours, praise God, pray for five hours. But if all you got is 15 minutes, you say, God, I am designating this time. This is going to be time with you. This is not time to mop the floors. This is not time to clean the bathroom. This is not time to check Instagram. Not time to get on Facebook. I'm setting aside 15 minutes. It's yours. What would shift in our lives spiritually if we made it up in our mind? We will have a time where we pray. I believe that it's important to have designated time in our daily lives because that makes sure we don't go a day without prayer. If we don't set aside specific time to pray, then often we will not prayer, pray. Prayer will never become a priority or a habit. Instead, it will become a hit or miss transaction. But if we allow ourselves to become consistent, we will make sure that we have prayed and we have prayed, and we have prayed, and we have done our duty. Now, let me just say this, and, and I'll probably get into this when we get a little further. Uh, I want to talk about, amen, why you're praying, and I'm going to get into that in a moment, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but it's not just about, when I say the win of prayer, I'm not talking about punching a clock. Hallelujah. I hope, I help, I hope I'm helping some folks. There, Jesus' disciples never asked, teach us how to perform miracles. Teach us how to preach and teach. They said, teach us to pray. And I, I will say this, that if you can't learn how to pray, if we don't learn how to pray, there, that we don't have time to go to other things because prayer is time with God. We don't need to go into anything else. We don't need to go into the gifts of the Spirit. We don't need to talk about worship. We've got to sit back until we get a hold of this and get this into our value system that prayer is important. Amen. So I want to talk about the where of prayer. He said, enter into your closet in your prayer life. I do believe it would, be, it would be well. Again, these are things Jesus said, and I'm trying to pull them out. I think it's a good idea to have a designated place that you pray. Now, for some folks, they say, well, that's a little religious. Uh, but it will help in your consistency. But also, when you show up to that place, you know what you've come to do. Uh, now, I understand. I don't, again, there's, there's always exceptions to the rule. You're on your road to work, and you hit, you're just praying in your car, and you've got to get to work, but you want to get some prayer in, turn off the music, and pray. Praise God. 
But also know that when you drive in that car, you also go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. There's a lot of other things you do in that car. But if you can set aside a place, whether it be in your house. Now, if you've got a key to the church, uh, you can come to the church and pray. And you can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. Now, not everybody lives close enough to the church where they can come down and pray. Uh, not everybody has that opportunity. Not enough people have enough time to drive 20, 30 minutes to the church and then drive 20, 30 minutes back to wherever they are. Uh, it might be a place in your house. Now, I'll never forget when I first got saved. I read that verse. I memorized that verse. And it said, enter your closet. And so, you know what I did? I, I didn't have a walk-in closet back then. I had one of those little sliding ones. And I had to move some junk out of the way, and I, I, I just squeezed my way into that closet. I really thought that's what it meant. And so Jesus said, go into your closet and pray. And so I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to go. This is not very comfortable. My knees hurt. I'm a little bit, you know, this is, there's a much better way to do this. Uh, it wasn't until a little bit later I realized you don't actually have to go into your walk-in closet or your sliding closet and pray. It's about having a designated place like Adam in the garden in the cool of the day. Jesus in a solitary place. Enter into your closet. Go somewhere where no one else is. Go to a place where if you've got a walk-in closet, go ahead, go for it. If you've got a spare bedroom, go for it. If you've got a living room no one's using, go for it. If you can make your way down to the church, go for it. But whatever you do, just say, God, when I go there, I'm going to be talking with you. When I meet you in that place. When I meet you in that place, the Bible would say that we make our prayers, amen, amen, between the altar and the door of the tabernacle. I think it's important, and I'll be talking about public prayer at a different time. So some of these things Jesus is talking about, amen, about standing and praying aloud. Uh, he's not referring to public prayer. He's talking about private prayer. So we'll talk about that at another time. But I think it's important that we, we, should, be, we should be fully committed to that place of prayer where we are praying it's important to have uh, its own time and its own place we are showing God this is important to me time after time you'll find Abraham you'll find Isaac you'll find Jacob they build altars and they call upon the name of the Lord and when they want to pray they build an altar what are they doing they're building a place where they say this is not this is not where I'm eating dinner this is not where I'm doing X Y or Z this is my place of prayer. What are they doing? They're hollowing that place. They're making something holy that is ordinary. Praying before a meal doesn't constitute his prayer life, but finding a place alone with Jesus so you can allow the privacy and openness before God. Amen. That is a place of prayer. Let me just say this. I, I, I wanted to put a little bit of an emphasis on finding a physical location. But let me also say this. A closet is a place that is separated from others, separated from everything else. The Bible says of Jacob that he was left alone until the breaking of the day. He got to a place of aloneness, and that's when God spoke to him. Jacob was spoke to at a place called Bethel all by himself when he had nothing. And later on in his life, when he had everything, he had, he had multiple wives, unfortunately. He had multiple children. He had more money than he knew what to do with. You better believe that when he hit a trial, he found a place alone, and he prayed. And guess what happened? The very same thing that happened years before. God met him in that place or that posture of prayer. All right, let's talk about the how of prayer. I only got about two more of these, so we'll get through this, and, and hopefully I'll get you home a little early tonight, but I hope this is a blessing. He said, when you've shut the door, when you've shut the door. When do I start praying? When you shut the door. When does prayer start? When you shut the door. Not only do we have to have a time and a place, we must learn how to posture ourselves in prayer. Jesus told us that we are to shut the door. Now, again, I thought it meant literally go in the closet, shut the door. It was real dark in that closet. But I realized later that shutting the door, especially in this generation, means shutting out anything or anybody that would distract you. Shutting out anything that would cause you to worry. Shutting out anything that would cause you to break your focus on why you are there. I'm not here to clean the kitchen. 
I'm here to pray. I'm not here to fold the laundry. I'm here to pray. You, I'm not here to check Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever you want to throw out there. I have entered this place and this posture for one reason and one reason only. i got to get along with God and i got to pray. Somebody lift up your hands and let's do that for just a moment. Come on, let We've got, to, we've got to find in this busy world, in this distracting world. We've got to find a time. We've got to find a place. But we've got to find a posture that shuts everything else out and just spends time pursuing Jesus. Amen. When we set aside time for prayer, when we set aside a place for prayer, we've also got to make sure we posture ourselves for prayer. How you pray matters. Anybody ever been out to eat with somebody and they put their phone on the table? Now, if, if I don't have my wife there and I can throw it in her purse, sometimes I do that. It's not to be offensive. It's genuinely because I don't have anywhere else to put it. But some people do this because they're waiting on text message. And what they're really saying is, who is going to text me is more important than who's in front of me. Amen? And, 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 and there's some folks when they come to church, they are always... Now, sometimes as the pastor, I have to check my phone because somebody's like, well, I stubbed my toe. I'm not going to be in church today. i got to walk my pet snake. I'm not going to make it. you got to check for that. But, but if somebody sets their phone down or they're, they're talking to you and then you're having a conversation, and I think that's a real bad habit in this generation. We, ought to, we all have that problem. So don't just say one person, well, I don't have that problem. Well, you got other problems. Put your book down, your, your, your chisel, tablet, whatever you use. Put it down. Put it down. Because what's in front of you is more important than what's not next to you, what's not in front of you. How would you feel if when I got up to preach, I started doing this? That's a great meme. Man, SpongeBob, you got it. Baby Yoda's got it lit. How would you feel? All of a sudden, I disengaged from you. and no longer you're, you're, not, you're no longer important. Somebody's phone just rang. You just got convicted. Hallelujah. But... And, and can I be very honest, because I want to put this in the value system of the church. I can't tell you how many times in the last year and a half I have come in and prayer is going on and everybody's doing this. You know what you're saying? A, what's going on on my phone is more important than what's in the church. I'm, not, I'm, not hope, I'm really not trying to hurt anybody. But what we're really saying is, Jesus, you're not as important as Instagram or Facebook or text messages. And I get it. Hey, if you've got to take a call leave the church building or go down the, the hallway get a phone call, check your text message uh, but you don't need to check Fox News don't worry, the world's, the world's going down but you don't got to worry about it it's going to happen eventually, check it later but people they're in prayer and, and honestly you'd be shocked how many blue lights we see during the, 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 the lights getting turned off it's just like they're just, they're zoned in what are they saying, Jesus you're not important what I got here is more important and as a church, we don't cut. Listen, you've got a whole world out there that's going to try to help you be carnal. Come on. You've got a university that's going to try to get you to be carnal. You've got friends that are going to try to get you to be carnal. You've got coworkers. You've got everything pushing you to try to fill your flesh. When you come to church, remember, we are body, soul, and spirit. That is what we are as human beings. Amen. When we come to church, what are we doing? We're putting our flesh aside. We're trying to save our soul, and what we are doing is investing good things in our spirit. For those who say, well, I don't need church. I don't believe in church. Well, you're missing a big portion of humanity. It's a whole portion that you've got you to deal with, and it is your spirit. So when we come to church, amen, and we're feeding our flesh, we're ignoring our spirit. We've got to be willing to say, okay, God, when I come into this house, phone's off phone's off. It's out of the way. I'm, I want to be invested. A, it might be somebody next to me that is praying and I might want to pray with them. I hope I'm helping somebody. I know, I know we're talking about private devotions, but can I pastor for a moment? It's simple things like that that we are telling God, okay, Lord, you are more important than what I got going on right here. You, you are telling the person next to you, you are more important than what I got going on on my cell phone and we got to talk about this in this generation because there's so much junk out there that is trying to feed our flesh and feed other things. We come to church for one simple reason, to feed our spirit and to save our soul. 
Don't come to church to feed your flesh. You won't find it. In fact, if you come to church to feed your flesh, I will offend you and everybody else will offend you and, and everything's going to, you're just not going to happen. But if you come to church, amen, to feed your spirit and to save your soul, turn everything else off. Shut the door. Somebody tell Somebody ought to just say, I'm going to shut the door from here on out. I'm going to turn the cell phone off. I'm going to turn it. I'm going to put it. I'm gonna, some folks just leave it in their car. Just got to get rid of it. I'm not going to pay attention to it because I've got to make sure that when I come to pray, I posture myself to pray. When I come to church to worship, I didn't come, amen, to just, just look at everybody else. I have postured myself that when I come to worship, I'm not looking at you. I'm not looking to see what everybody else does. What, did you see so-and-so they weren't worshiping? No, actually, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to you. I was focused on the king of kings. Hallelujah. How we pray matters. How we devote ourselves matters. Turn off your cell phone. Throw away everything else that would distract you. I know we got chores. I know we got bills to pay. I know we got other things. I know, I know, I know the, the dog just bit the cat, whatever the case may be. But if you can step away for a moment, for a time, find a place where you can posture yourself and say, God, nothing else matters but you. You know why Wednesday night church is so important? Because every week we're telling, we're telling our flesh there's one thing that matters. I'm going to get a hold of God. I'm, we want to know why family prayer is so important. We, I know we only do it once a month. We might increase that. It's because we're saying, God, amen, once a month we have designated time and we've designated a place where we're going to posture ourselves for prayer. You know why pre-service prayer is so important? We have designated before we get into worship, before we get fed by the word of God, before we receive, we're going to posture ourselves in prayer and nothing else matters. When we come to church on Sunday, we have made it up in our minds. We have postured ourselves in prayer and nothing else matters we've got to focus on the God that we are praying to and not on everything else around us if we are just doing what the heathen do which is what we call vain repetition that word means mumbling now it's 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 not to say that you don't repeat yourself sometimes you repeat yourself uh, but but sometimes it's the hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's not prayer according to the Bible. It's a time where we've all done it. Hallelujah. I'm guilty of it myself. But if we ever, if you're saying hallelujah a thousand times, praise God as long as you're focused. Sometimes we're actually thinking about the bills, the car, the cat, whatever the case may be. And we're not even, we have disengaged. And Jesus is saying, you've got to come in, you've got to shut the door. And sometimes this stuff is causing you, amen, to go off into it. You're thinking about something else, and you're not even praying. Amen. But, but without fail, the minute that we set aside time to pray, there's going to be something that takes place. There's going to be something that shows up on your phone. There's going to be something that comes to your mind because the moment you enter a time of prayer, your brain starts working. And all of a sudden, it's going to want to steal you away from your secret place of prayer. And, 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 and there's going to be other things that seem more urgent and more pressing. But there is one thing that is needful. When you tell God, I'm setting aside a time, I'm setting aside a place, and I posture myself, I am saying there is nothing else that is more important than this right Amen. How we pray matters. Let, let me just help somebody out. If you've not experienced this, if no one else will testify with me, maybe it just happens to me. Every time I get ready to pray, pray, I get a text message. Amen. Sometimes y'all are texting me. But often it gives me something to pray for. That's good. Praise God. But sometimes I'll get a text message. Sometimes I'll get a phone call. A friend just wants to talk. Sometimes, and, 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 and all of those things are good. But it's like, man, couldn't that have happened like 20 minutes ago? Man, I had a lot of time. Or, you know, it, it just happens to be that the moment you start praying, you start thinking about all the things that need to get done around the house. Man, I really need to. You know, it's great to feel focused, but our focus has got to be on Jesus. Amen. So how we pray really does matter. Everybody say, shut the door. Amen. Five, number five, why? Let's talk about the why of Pray to thy Father which is in secret. When you pray, I'll tell you what you're not doing. You are not trying to seem spiritual to everybody else. We've already shut the door. We've already got ourselves to aloneness. We are not trying to 
uh, appease our flesh and our conscience to say, well, look, I put in an hour. When we pray, we are doing what true spiritual people do. We are trying to talk with God. We are not, we are not trying to talk so our brain can hear it. We are not just talking or mumbling or vain repetitions so we can fill our time clock to say, I have done the will of God. But when we pray, if it's five focused minutes, it's better than five hours of unfocused, not intentional prayer. You would be better off saying, Jesus, here I am. I'm just checking in. I want you to know I've been thinking about you. God, I need some help with some things. We're going to talk about some modes and methods of prayer, amen, that are going to hopefully help people go deeper in their prayer life at another time. Uh, but you would be better off taking five minutes and saying, Lord, I'm giving you all my focus, all my attention, and I want you to know that this is a conversation between me and you. Amen. I'll never forget when I first got saved. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a Bible quizzer friend who he had done Bible quizzes since he was six years old. And I'll never forget, he was like, Thee thou verily mayest, mightest. I mean, the guy was eloquent. He just had it all down. He was Shakespeare in the flesh. He had it all down. He's like, When thy robe fills the temple. Like, you, you all know there's somebody like that. They pray like Shakespeare. And if you don't know the person, you're probably the person. Come on, let's be real. And I thought, man, I'll never be able to pray. I just don't, I'm not that eloquent. I was like, back then I was speaking real hood. I was like, yo, dude, what's up? God, hey, I'll never, sorry, funny story. I'll never forget, I was praying at the altar one time and this, this person interrupted me while praying. I said, hey, leave me alone. I'm trying to talk to Jesus. You just, you just got to give people from the world a little grace because they just don't know any better. But, but what I was saying is, hey, I, I understood the concept of prayer that I'm supposed to be talking to Jesus. But I heard all these other people praying, and they were like, oh, great and mighty one. Like, man, I just, they was, was like, you are alpha, you are omega, you are the beginning, you are the end, you are the first, the last, you are the bread, you are the wine, you are the water, you are everything. And I was like, man, this guy's got it down. God must hear his prayers better than he hears mine. And I would stand up and say, God, hey, I'm just a slug of a sinner. Here I am. The Bible actually gives an example of this, that there was a Pharisee and there was a publican that prayed. I wish I had that verse for you. I'd pull it up. It's real good. I ought to preach on this. It's good. I'll preach on another time. Maybe you could preach about it. Hallelujah. But it is really good because the Bible says that the, that the, the Pharisee prayed with himself. Did you know that's in your Bible? Look it up later. He prayed thus with himself. But the, the sinner, the publican, prayed to God. And he beat his chest. Said, oh, have mercy on me, a sinner. Listen, it's not about sounding religious. It's not about quoting, and I believe in quoting Scripture. When you pray, sometimes it encourages your faith. It's not about being eloquent. It's not about uh, saying something so you can pray with yourself. I don't want to pray with myself. I don't want to pray by myself. I, don't, I would hate to have a communication with somebody, and it's just a one-way communication where they, they, they've left the building, and I didn't even know it. I want to make sure that I, I might be a sinner, I might be a fair, I may not have everything together, but at least when I hit my knees and pray, it might not be as good as that, that eloquent guy, it may not be as, as great as the Pharisee, but at least when I pray, I'm praying to God. Hallelujah. We've got to make sure that we've got our why right. Do you pray because you're holy or do you pray because you want to know God? Do you pray because you're spiritual and you've got to keep that air of spirituality or do you pray because you want to pursue God? What is your why of prayer? Do you pray so that you can check that time clock so you can somehow appease yourself of all your religious duties or do you go to the church or do you go to your prayer closet and pray because God, I don't know everything there is to know about you yet. I pray because I want to know God I pray do you pray to God or do you pray with yourself we're not doing this for the applause of men but we are doing this so that we might please our God and we are doing this for one reason that we might know our God did you know that when you pray it's a conversation you can talk with God and God can talk right back to you you might just come in and be like, God, I had a rough day. And God can begin to encourage you. Say, you know what? Everybody has bad days. You can come before God and say, man, I had a great day. God goes, tell me about it. I think we've over-spiritualized prayer. I really do. I, 
I think we've over-spiritualized it to try to make it seem like something it's not. And this is why people go, well, I'm not feeling spiritual right now, so I won't pray. It's not what it is. It's about simply saying, God, hey, listen, if it, whether you are the pastor or you are a visitor that just walked in the church, you can pray. There is no prerequisite on who can pray. Anybody can say, God, I, I may not have it all together, but I'm going to take five minutes. I'm going to take 10 minutes. I'm going to take 30 hours, whatever the case may be, and I'm going to pray, but I'm going to keep my why right. I want to pray because i got to know you. i got to get a hold of God. I want to make sure that he hears me and that he speaks back to me. The prophets of Baal are religious. They pray, they cry, they cut themselves. They do everything they can to get their idols to begin to move, and nothing happened. That's religion. But the Bible lets us know that Elijah just prayed like 30-something words, and the fire fell from heaven. The why of prayer is we are praying, not vain repetitions as the heathen do, thinking will be heard for our much speaking, but we're praying because, God, I just want to make sure that, I, 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 that you heard me, I want to make sure that we had a connection. I want to make sure that we were focused in this moment. I want to make sure that when it comes time, that you answer by fire. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, for just a moment, somebody pray. I hope I'm helping somebody. This really, this is going to change your prayer life forever. Amen. You, you're going you're gonna to walk out of this building and say, I'm not praying because I want to look spiritual to everybody else. I, I'm not doing this so I can post it on Facebook or Instagram and try to seem spiritual. But I'm praying because I really want to know God and I want to have a communication with Him. I want to have a relationship with Him. Whether I'm doing good or not is irrelevant. I want to talk with God. When you do it because of religion, you only do it because you feel religious. When you do it out of, out of religious reasons, you only do it when you feel inspired. But if you keep the why right, you'll always pray because you're just, you're just trying to talk with God. Amen. An old preacher said it this way. We don't pray to be seen, but it sure doesn't hurt to be seen praying. I think it is, I think it is important that people know that we are people of prayer, but let me qualify that. Don't get on Facebook and tell people you're praying. There comes a point where you might text them and say, hey, I'm praying for you. You know, there, I pray for everyone in this church, but not all the time do I send them a text and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Sometimes it's encouraging to do that. But I think that in this generation, especially because we live our lives and everything's a highlight reel and everything's in front of the open, everything's in the public, we just want to make sure that everybody knows we're doing something spiritual. But my Bible says, amen, that if you do it in secret, your Father will reward you openly. I don't want people to know me as somebody, I hope they know me as a person of prayer because uh, it doesn't hurt to be seen praying. But, but what I don't want is to be somebody who just talks about prayer, but God never answers those prayers. I'd rather people know I never even, they, they don't even know I mentioned a prayer for them, but God came through and blessed them. I'd rather God answer by fire, amen? And finally, number six, and I'll, I'll let you go at this. What, the what of prayer. What happens when I pray this way? Thy Father which seeth in secret. When you got a secret life. <laughs> Thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You know the powerful thing about prayer? When you do it as a private devotion, you do it because God's called you to pray. You make sure that you, you, you do it. Amen. You've got a time set aside where you are praying to God. Nobody else knows how long you prayed or when you prayed. Amen. When you, when you find a place of prayer, whether anybody sees you or not, whether anybody's at the church or not, when you make sure that you pray and you shut everything else out and, and nobody knows that you didn't respond to their text because you were praying or whatever the case may be, and nobody knows that, when you keep your why right and you pray because you want to know God, I want to tell you what happens when that is set in motion. Your Father would see in secret shall reward you openly. What happens when you have this private devotion? What happens when you pray in private? God begins to answer those prayers. God begins to bless us openly for what we live in private, what we pray in private, what we do in private. We don't pray to be blessed, but I promise you this, you will be blessed for praying. Let's stand all across the building and lift up our hands. Come on, would you pray for just a moment here? Amen, tonight. Come on, let's pray. Come on, I want to help somebody here tonight. You have been called to pray. When thou, 
When you pray, you got to find a time where you pray. You got to find a place. Enter your closet. You got to pray. You got to find a posture. How you pray matters. You got to shut the door, shut out the rest of the world. While you pray, it matters. You got to make sure it's for communication because you want to talk with God. You want to know God. And there's always a blessing that follows a person that's got a private devotion life. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray in the name of Jesus? Come on, for just a few moments. Come on, we'll talk about the power of prayer at another time. We'll talk about different types of prayer at another time. I'll I'll take you through different methods and modes of prayer. We'll talk about the Lord's Prayer, and we'll talk about revelations of that at another time. But right now, if we don't get our motive of prayer right, if we we can't get the system of why we're doing what we're doing and and, and how we're to do it, if if we can't keep our focus, amen, none of those things matter. But if we can get this right here down, that whether anybody else has it or not, I'll have a prayer life. I have a private devotion life. Whether I sound eloquent or I don't, whether anybody sees me or not, I'm going to pray because I want to know God. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. We're going we're gonna to have a moment of prayer at this altar in just a moment. But for a few moments, right where you are, would you lift up your hands? Come on, I know... I know there's a lot of information that was given here today, but I hope to help. Well, I don't feel good enough to pray. I'm not inspired. Let all that slip away. Enter your closet. Shut the door. Shut out all the distractions. Turn off your cell phone. Whatever you got to do from this point forward and say, God, I want to have a prayer life. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Would you make a decision here tonight that says, you know what, God? I'm going to work on praying. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to work on finding a time. Maybe God's dealing with you about finding a time to pray. Just get consistent. It might be one, one day a week. It might be for 15 minutes in that one day of the week. But can you make a commitment here tonight that says, God, I'm going to pray not. And again, I'm going to get my why right. It's not because of religious duty because the pastor is going to find out I didn't pray. No, no. I'm going to pray because God really is real. And God really does answer. And my Bible says he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Would you come and pray? Come on, would you lift up your voice and pray in this house? Come on, that's what's beautiful about an altar call. If you hadn't found time to pray all week, you can always find a place of prayer. You can always find time of prayer at church. You can always find, amen, you can get back to your why of living for God. Get back to your why of prayer. I pray because I want to know God. I pray because I want to know God. I pray because I want to know God. somebody pray there are blessings coming out of this service there are answers of prayers you've been praying for a long time coming out of this service you can take this information metabolize it put it as part of your life it's coming i'm telling you blessings openly blessings openly That's it. Somebody pray right now. If you don't know what to pray for, just say, God, help me with my prayer life. I want to have a good prayer life. I want to have a good communication from earth to heaven and heaven to earth.
Come on, for just a few moments, let's pray. This is not an admission of guilt, but an opportunity to say, Lord, I want to know you more. God, when I, when I go through my week, I don't just want to wait till Sunday to pray. I don't want to just wait till Wednesday or family prayer once a month. But God, I want to find time. I want to find a place. I want to, I want to you know, remove things. That move, move all the junk out of my house. Whatever I got to do, God. Amen. Clear a space out in the garage. Whatever I got to do to find somewhere where I can go and meet with God and know God's going to meet with me there and get a hold of Jesus. God, help us with our prayer lives, God.